0: Let us let us go to our God in prayer. Oh God, we come now before this scripture, ancient words, yet words spoken here in in this place, in our hearing. Through them, may you speak again to us, so that we may hear your words and follow your spirit. Amen. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away because this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through my treasures all laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Oh, Beulah land, sweet Beulah land As on thy highest mount. I stand. I look away across the sea where mansions are prepared for me. And view the shining glory shore, my heaven, my home, forevermore. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Take wives and husbands. Have sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you in exile. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. Well, these lines from the old beloved hymns don't seem to sync well with these lines from the old prophet Jeremiah. The hymns sing of a home afterlife, discarding the world as we long for a home in heaven. And yet here is the prophet Jeremiah calling a group of exiles to put down roots, to make their land of exile their home, to seek the welfare of their captors. And I grew up singing those old hymns, as you may have, and hearing old sermons that echoed the lines from those old hymns, calling us to forget about life that was around us. What really mattered was heaven and doing whatever it took to get to heaven. We didn't do much for the poor. We weren't involved in justice issues in our community. We didn't go to city council meetings or do much for local schools, but we did knock on doors. And we asked people, hello, if you were to die right now, do you know for sure, without a doubt, that you would go to heaven to be with God? Slam the door often. But that was all that mattered. Heaven, all doing all that we could to keep those we thought were lost from the eternal, fiery pit of hell. It didn't matter that those people we were trying to save were living in hell as we spoke to them. That was not our concern. Because the world, it's going to burn up one day, we were taught. So ignore it. Focus on heaven. Now, I imagine it would have been easy for Jeremiah, the prophet, to have done the same, delivered the same message to the exiles of Israel. This book that we call Jeremiah is birthed out of a catastrophic time in the history of Israel. Now, all those names that we sloshed through, those meant something to the people. These were the kings, the leaders of Israel, and Nebuchadnezzar, the evil leader of the Babylonian Empire, the biggest, baddest empire that they had ever seen. The empire had invaded Israel, destroyed the holy city of Jerusalem, and left the Jewish temple in ruin. The Babylonians then took the elite of Israel as captives, the strongest, the smartest, the wealthiest forcing them to be their slaves, and the rest were forced to flee as refugees, many of them returning back to Egypt where their ancestors had once been in captive. It is to these captives in Babylon that Jeremiah sends this letter, and he could have taught them the old hymns. Just close your eyes, he could have said. It's hard, but close your eyes and imagine Jerusalem, her marvelous walls, don't settle down in Babylon. Babylon is not your home. You're just a passing through. Oh, Jerusalem, sweet Jerusalem, is on the highest mount of Zion. I stand, I look away across the sea where mansions are prepared for me and see your shining glory shore. Jerusalem, that's our home forevermore. Jeremiah could have taught them those hymns. But instead, instead he wrote this letter. Build houses, he said, and live in them. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Get a wife, get a husband, have sons and daughters. Let them have families. Multiply there, don't decrease, but thrive. Seek the welfare of the city where you are and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its peace and its welfare, you will find your own. Now, I'll admit sometimes it is easier to just sit in the sanctuary daydreaming, singing about heaven where we will one day fly away from all the trouble and pain all around us. Karl Marx was credited for saying that religion is the opium of the people. It deadens us to the troubles of this world, makes us forget what is wrong so we don't stand up and demand that it be made right. So if we fix our eyes on heaven, then what happens on earth, we don't have to worry about. It's certainly easier that way. It's easier until the trouble out there becomes the trouble in here. When you can't ignore what happens outside of, your, of these walls, the pain, the suffering, crime, drugs, cuts in school funding, high cost of living, medical bills, choices between paying the light bill or the insurance premium racism, sexism, classism, homophobia, hunger, multiple jobs, and still not having enough to pay the rent, lack of adequate clothing, lack of adequate housing, gun violence, homelessness, greed, exploitation. We can try to ignore it, but sooner or later, it it finds its way to our house. It's our school that gets the funding. It's our checks that bounce. It's our family being thrown out on the street, when it's happening to you and to those you love, when you see your world falling around you, the songs ignoring the pain, imagining another life don't quite connect anymore because you're holding on to the life that you have. Now, I cannot hear our text this morning without thinking of someone I used to work for called the Jeremiah Group. This text was their theme verse. For two years, we lived in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's where Finn was born. And I worked for Jeremiah, this nonprofit community organization of churches, religious, and community institutions. And this text was our theme on our shirts, on our logo. We existed to seek the welfare of the city of New Orleans. Well, seeking the welfare of that city became significantly harder in New Orleans on August 23rd, 2005. Ten years ago, in two weeks, when Hurricane Katrina hit the shores of New Orleans, I remember vividly, as you I'm sure do, watching this tragic yet sacred city drown on national TV. As the army corps levies across the city began to fail, the canals backed up. The city was flooded. Their own Babylon, washing away the sea, uh, the city, leaving the city in ruin. It was enough to give up hope. Now, we weren't living there when the levees broke. We arrived four years after, but the pain was still there. There were churches that still had water lines on their sanctuary walls. There were homes, or steps, rather, that used to lead to homes that now were just an empty lot where the home was washed away. So much pain, so many stories of loss, heart-breaking loss. But in the wake of the storm, I heard another story. A story that happened just a few weeks after that storm while we were still watching coverage. A group of pastors and church leaders. They had called themselves the Jeremiah group before the storm and that's who they were then. They gathered together everyone that they could find. Many not knowing who was still alive or still there. They came back from their exile to return to the city. And they met at Trinity Episcopal Church in the Garden District. They were the leaders of Jeremiah, community organizers who had been trained before the storm on how to organize their neighborhoods to bring about change. They were ready. Around that table that day, hope was born. They planned a new future for their washed out city. All the while, many of them didn't even have a home to go home to. Some saw their family drift away in the water. Some pastors had churches in ruins and church members still unknown if they were still alive. Yet there they were, black and white, Latino and Latina, Baptists and Catholics, Pentecostals and Methodists, all sitting around an Episcopal church table From that meeting, they went back to their congregations and their neighborhoods and had as many conversations as they could, one-on-one in small groups at church. They asked people, what pressures are you facing? What's happening in your life now? What do you need to change? And will you work with us, the Jeremiah group, to make it better? Soon these washed out church leaders were meeting with others with the mayor, with their representatives, and with the governor. They had the president of the United States down for a meeting. They organized thousands of people across the city, trained them, and together they began to change their city, become active participants in what was happening. They fought for and won millions of dollars that was needed to rebuild their homes. It was called the Road Home Project, money that would help people return home and then to rebuild. But then they found out there were a lot of people that didn't have a home to return to. They were renters. They they were family homes, and they couldn't prove it was theirs because the deeds had long been washed away. And so in order for them to have a new home, they needed something else. And so the leaders came back, and they worked, and they worked, and they eventually won $70 million of federal funds to create a new first-time homebuyer program for New Orleans, When I arrived in the city four years later, this program had been won. But the money was just sitting in red tape in bureaucracy. And we had meeting after meeting. What's going on? Where's the money? Why aren't people getting homes? Well, it's not our fault. It's their fault. You need to go talk to them. So we talked to them. Well, it's not our fault. It's their fault. You need to go talk to them. And we just made these circles for about two years. Finally, about six years ago this week, the money began to flow People were able to buy homes with soft second mortgages, homes that were theirs, that they could now afford. They were able to plant gardens in their backyards and eat the produce. They could finally rest and begin to make a family again, to have a home. All because a bunch of church folk were good citizens. Had they not gotten together and sought the welfare of their city, none of it would have happened. But they couldn't just see their city washed away, they Did something. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't have patience for just sitting around and dreaming of of the world as it may be one day in the clear blue sky when God returns and all is right. I think God is calling us to do something now, to be good citizens of our city, of our nation, and our world. After all, Jesus taught us to pray, and we just said together, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will, God's reign happening here and now. And so I wonder what it would look like for us to be good citizen disciples of Norwalk, whatever city you may live in. What would it look like for us to seek the welfare of our city? Maybe it's organizing a conversation on school bullying, providing our youth with tools to combat bullies and resources to advocate for those being bullied. Maybe it's our church paying attention to how our city is growing. It's growing, but is it growing in good, healthy ways? Are we just building million-dollar homes that none of us and none of our children can afford? Or are we providing a place where all people can make a home and plant a garden and live? Maybe seeking the welfare of our city looks like church folk working to increase school funds or collecting uh, resources to fill in gaps. Our schools see so much pain and they do so much frontline work. Are we supporting our schools so that they can support families? Maybe it's our church being a part of a new affordable daycare or parents day out program that provides a safe, open minded place where families can afford to have their child uh, have care. Maybe it's a church like ours going public in our community about our welcome of all people, that, that though some may say you're doomed to hell, that here we love you, you are welcomed and you are affirmed as you are. Maybe it looks like the Norwalk food pantry always having more than enough food. And maybe it also looks like a job training program being created or expanded so that people in need of better paying work can have it so they don't have to go to the food pantry. Maybe it's churches coming together to build the first shelter in Warren County for victims of domestic violence. I don't know what it looks like, but I know whatever it is, it probably would start like things started that day in New Orleans with the Jeremiah group, with just a bunch of church folks sitting around, asking questions, sharing stories, and dreaming dreams, and taking those questions out to the street and asking neighbors, hey, What's going on in your life? What pressures do your family face? What do we need to do together to seek the welfare of our city? Because this world, well, it is our home. We're not just passing through. God's placed us here. It is our gift. It is our plot to cultivate these neighbors, these people, and even these problems given to us by God to seek God's welfare, to find God's peace in this place. So how will we, Norwalk Christian Church, be good citizens? What can you imagine and what is God calling you to do? Amen. Let us sing now our hymn of invitation, of preparation, number 658. Restless Weaver, you may not recognize the title, but you recognize the tune.